The devil took me back down to Georgia, and the devil said at the crossroad, let's talk about Terrell Peterson, and let's talk about how Georgia State of Family and Children's Services failed another child. Y'all should get sick and tired of being sued. Let's talk about it. Greetings and salutations, everybody. It is me, your mysterious and token black girl. I'm here today to talk to you about another case where Georgia's family and children's services failed another child. We are going back to 1992. So let's talk about Terrell. Terrell Peterson was born March 1st, 1992. He was a five-year-old African-American boy from Atlanta, Georgia. During the time of 1995 and between the year of 1998, he was one of 800 children who died after their cases were brought, were brought to the attention of Georgia's Human Services. Division of Family and Children's Services. Some of the deaths of these children were to illnesses, while others like Terrell's were due to murder. When Terrell died, he only weighed 29 pounds. He was also covered with cuts, bruises, and cigarettes. So let's give you a timeline of Terrell's life. Terrell was a bright boy, said by his mother, and he had a head full of dark curly hair. The only known statement that his mother has ever said about him is that he was bad, but also sweet. And I want to let you guys know, they've never mentioned his mother's name on record. I guess that may be due to the fact that eventually she did sign her rights away to all of her children. But I can't find her name. I can't tell you who his mother is. They'll tell you about who the people that killed him is. But I feel like the public deserves to know who she was. Because she's not innocent in this story either. So, when Terrell was born in 1992, he had cocaine in his blood. His mother was said to have been addicted to crack. And as I was doing research... They said that she, that, you know, she was like, she's a crackhead. She did coke. And I'm like, okay, which one is it? Like, because crack and cocaine are two different things. Like, they are similar, but they're not the same. Several times between 1991 and 1995, state records show that the Fullerton County Department of Family and Children's Services to neglect any reports of Terrell of his siblings that were made. Now, the mother has been known during this time she was pregnant. So 1991, she was taking drugs. She was using the food stamps and the welfare checks that she was receiving to buy crack. This was made by one caller in May of 1992. Also, another report placed in August of 1993 reported that the mother was locking the children in the bedroom on weekends, denying them food and water. 
and it said parents in some of the reports, so I'm not sure if that's just like the legal mumble jumble they're using or if possibly one of the fathers of the children was involved. Again, they were very hush-hush about the parents, about his mother and father. They didn't even really mention his father, so I that's gone with the wind. Another report, the children are left unsupervised because the mother is on drugs. That's in February of 1994. Then in January of 1995, the children are begging the neighbors for food. The mother is using cocaine daily. So I guess she was a crack and a cokehead. I'm not trying to be rude. I'm just giving you the facts here. Despite all these reports, the children remained at the home with their mother. Due to privacy laws that protect child abuse records, the people who were making these complaints, they weren't even like, they didn't even know like if the agency was like doing anything. Like, you know, because when you report child abuse, I guess it's just like, you just report it. There's really no way of like, due to, a, due to like HIPAA laws, they can't really tell your business. So that's kind of a downside to it. Throughout the family, throughout the Peterson's family time with the Fullerton Child Welfare Agency, they had 11 caseworkers overseen by 10 supervisors that supposedly handled the complaints. After Terrell's death, the investigation found that many caseworkers violated the guidelines for investigating abuse and neglect reports. For instance, when they did come out, she had been accused of doing drugs, right? They never required her to do a drug test. Even though drugs were the core of the complaints, they never checked criminal histories, even though they had reason to believe there was some. Some caseworkers never even saw or interviewed the children, even though Terrell and his siblings were old enough to talk. They failed to get medical records and they some they they never checked with anyone who witnessed the abuse from the children what 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 are we paying you for like that's so crazy like what are you getting paid for you're not doing your job i don't do my job i get fired that's all i'm saying so by june 1996 in response to the ongoing complaints the Children's Welfare Agency pressured the mother. I don't believe it's pressure. I think they pretty much told her, hey, you want to sign your rights over or you want to go to jail? That's all I'm saying. They pressured her in June of 96 to give up her rights. So this is where things get a little murky. So Terrell and his siblings, his brother and sister, they were removed from his mother case and placed with his half-siblings grandmother patrina she is a non-blood relative of terrell she that's i'm assuming that it was the siblings father's mother does that make sense yeah i had to reread that a lot guys i'm not gonna lie to you it made sense to me but yeah typically when a child is removed they typically place you with a blood relative. However, in Terrell's case, I guess there really was nobody on his mother's side that could take him. His father, they never even mentioned him. So there's that. Now, 
when they placed him in Petrina's care, his grandmother, there were no monthly visits from social from social workers. So he, even though they placed them in her care, she they were still he was still supposed to be under a caseworker. Nobody showed up. On December third, nineteen ninety six, another complaint from into came into the Department of Family and Children's Services. This time, it involved physical abuse rather de, rather than neglect. Police and medical records show that several days earlier on Thanksgiving, an ambulance had taken four-year-old Terrell to the hospital after his mother said she found him covered in bruises. So even though her rights were signed away, I guess she was still showing up. And it says also the records state that the child had been staying with her for the holidays. So I guess she was still there. She just didn't have any rights to her children anymore. So Terrell goes to the hospital and an Atlanta investigator, A.C. Booker, was dispatched to the emergency room where the doctor told him that the child was a victim of long-term abuse. Mr. Booker said, as I looked at Terrell's body, most of his injuries were old. However, he had marks, scars, and lacerations about his body, his injuries included brace yourselves everybody right forehead ear badly scratched madden parks buttocks swollen and tender reddish lower back marks and his left forearm was bruised the child told mr booker that his grandma patrina peterson had beat him with a belt and sometimes with a shoe he said he received his last beating because he urinated his clothes. Not really an excuse to beat a child, but let's continue. The doctor also noted the extent of Terrell's fresh and old injuries and diagnosed him with battered child syndrome, which is where, you know, child abuse. That's really all it is. That's just the proper term that they would use. Terrell said that his grandmother did it in the physician's notes as well. When the doctor asked how, the little boy answered that his grandmother hit him with a white shoe and two belts, and he held up two fingers to show what he meant. Terrible, he should have been removed right then and there. That night, the Atlanta police charged Petrina with reckless conduct, a misdemeanor for beating her grandson. She was ordered to prepare to appear in Atlanta court the following week to face the charge. Now, this is where things get uh, really murky. After photographing the child's injuries, police released Terrell to his mother with instructions that she could not return him to his grandmother. Okay, so this is where I kind of got confused because I thought she signed her rights over. So, like, did she, like have did they have temporary custody of the kids or did she sign away all of her parental rights still like i said very murky they don't really explain a lot because a lot of it hasn't really i guess maybe been released so they tell her don't release him to the grandmother but terrell's case fell to the cracks 
The state investigation found that Fullerton County's Child Protective Services workers failed to show up at Terrell's court hearing. And then on December 10th, Judge Catherine Maddocky dismissed the charge. The reason, as stapled in bold black letters on the arrest citation, victim not in court. I don't know if that, does that count for kids too? Like, you're just going to drop the ball? Terrible. Somebody should have been there to represent that little boy. That's all I'm saying. Neither the judge nor the prosecutor remember the case. And the court transcripts from that year had been thrown out. But the solicitor assigned to the prosecution of Peterson said it appears no one else involved in Terrell's case was in the courtroom that day. DCFS should have been had been in court, said Darrell Kimball, the former assistant solicitor, or someone from the county should have been in court to represent Terrell. Too much for me. Those familiar with the case say whatever happened in court, there was obvious a breakdown in communication. In quotations, this was one of the most depressing cases I've ever seen, said Suzanne Ockleberry, a former Fullerton County prosecutor, because I think if someone had been in, had in, been involved and intervened, that child would still be alive. And she's right. She's right. So they told his mother, right? Don't take him back over to the grandmother's house. Do not do it. What'd she do? Took him back over there. Records indicate that Terrell was back with his grandma the day after her arrest and the child welfare agency closed its case once the criminal charges were dropped. Peterson had told the caseworker she did not abuse Terrell and that his injuries were from him falling from falling or fighting at school, etc., etc. Quotation. That's literally what it says in the records. The state investigation found that the caseworker never got the police report, never interviewed Terrell or his siblings. She never talked to the doctor. They never requested medical records. They never even talked to Terrell's Head Start teacher to verify if the children, if, if Terrell had fallen or fought a lot in school. She instead took the grandmother's word for it. She dropped the ball. Now, going to go into details about the next part of Terrell's story. It gets very murky and it's very descriptive. If you are triggered by child abuse in any way, this may not be the next part for you. So the court case falls through for Terrell and his mother not listening to anything that was told to her, returns him back to the grandmother. So Terrell ends up going back to school, and his teacher notices some things. Mrs. Bryant, the Head Start teacher, said that she noticed that something was terribly wrong. She asked Terrell if he was hurt, but he wouldn't answer her, more than likely out of fear. She removed his shoes and discovered that his foot was burnt. So after Terrell's case had happened, a lawyer sued the state for him 
and this is why it is believed that his foot was burnt. Petrina was so mad about being arrested that she burned the flesh off the bottom of his feet with a week, within a week after getting him back. She burned the bottom of his feet so bad that he had to have skin transferred from his hip onto his little feet so he could walk. So less than a week, less than three weeks later, Terrell was back in the hospital. He had an infection, third degree, third degree burn on his foot that one expert said should have been suspicious. Like someone should have seen something and known something's not right. Patricia told the doc, she told the doctors that Terrell had burned his feet a week before by standing on a space heater grate. She said that she had been treating the burns herself, but the foot had become infected. Terrell ended up having to get a skin graft from his hip to his foot. There's also no record that anyone from the hospital reported the incident to child welfare. But the burns were not consistent with what she was saying. The doctor should have raised questions about how it occurred. Dr. Randall Alexander, director of the, Ch the Center for Child Abuse at the Morehouse School of Medicine said, I have a problem with that story. He said, if it's going to be hot, you're going to jump off of it as fast as you can. A four-year-old would not sit there and let his foot get burned that way. So during the course of the investigation, this is after Terrell is dead, police discovered that Terrell had been physically restrained with pantyhose and tied to a banister in the apartment. This was according to other children in the home. Tasha Peterson, his aunt, in quotation marks, tied Terrell up a lot, said the child. The police also found in the apartment after everything went down for Terrell's case, they found a letter from the grandma to let the aunt know. Ah, dirty bitch. He gets a bowl of oatmeal for breakfast. For lunch, he gets grits. And dinner, he gets grits. His hands are always tied. So on the evening of January 15th, 1998, Terrell arrived at huge Spalding's hospital in cardiac arrest. He was pronounced dead at 10.55 p.m. So Terry, the aunt, told police she had been feeding her nephew at 9 p.m. When, when the child told her he was tired and stopped breathing. Don't believe that. She could not explain the whips the bruises, or the fresh blood on the child. An autopsy the next morning showed Terrell had died from abuse over a long period of time. Near starvation had shrunken the five-year-old boy to 29 pounds. After his death, the Child Welfare Agency received reports that the boy had at times been force-fed and dunked headfirst into a toilet. The medical examiner said, it's not clear what killed Terrell. He may have starved to death. Could have been a blow to the head or several blows to the head. It could have been a combination of all that that have been 
inflicted upon him. So after all this goes down, another social worker decided that it was safe to keep Terrell's half-siblings with the family after Terrell's death. So this is before they've even been convicted. They've been in trial or anything like that. She's like, oh, yeah, it's fine for them to stay there. They didn't stay there. Oh. So Ralph Mitchell from the Atlantic office made a public statement that was a blatant lie about the department and responded. He said that it's, he pretty much lied, saying that they did everything they were supposed to do and Terrell just fell through the cracks. But that was some bullshit and fuckery and I'm going to tell you why it was. Someone who couldn't sleep at night decided that they were going to anonymously for Terrell's records to the lawyer that was suing the state of Georgia for Terrell. And after two internal investigations into Terrell's case, Georgia DCFS reported in quotations, they failed to make contacts. They failed to conduct mandatory monthly meetings and they had a serious lack of judgment and number of violations throughout the history of the case. The public was never made aware of these findings and the department officials engaged in a cover-up. The department only made public statements was, which was written by Ralph Mitchell, the administrator of the Atlanta office for DCFS. He claims member of the agencies expressed outrage at the loss of precious life. Lies! But they had responded immediately to allegations of Terrell's abuse. Another lie, as DJ Cali would possibly say. The statements further claim that the department had followed protocol. Another lie, ladies and gentlemen. Saying that its steps were followed in the case of Terrell. One more time, another lie. Soon after, Mitchell, the department head, wrote a private memo to the department of the head of the state headquarters stating a press release that most of the things he said were untrue. He also commented it was unfortunate that no one in the media had called up to follow up the, the public statement. What was there to follow up? You're a liar. You didn't do what you were supposed to do and you failed Terrell. Due to state laws, Terrell's records were sealed. Which is how they pretty much almost got away with the cover-up. The tampering began, and Don, the lawyer that was suing for Terrell, filed a case because someone sent over the paperwork. Despite the murder of Terrell, it doesn't seem like Georgia's Family and Children's Services really cared. And another thing that they also determined that they didn't want the media to know that when Terrell was killed, his brother and sister were there. The, the unidentified caseworker said as following, the grandmother would cooperate with the agency and continue to show interest and support of the child while they were at home. I think, again, you would have to look at this as an individual situation. And if she had not harmed those other children, then it might be acceptable. Bullshit. 
I don't want to hear it. Also, everybody in this case that was a part of the Department of Children's Services still got to keep their job. And the head, Mr. Mitchell, got to keep his pension. So after all this happened, the, the at the time, Governor Ray Barnes decided to set up a child advocacy office with the authority to bypass the state confidentiality laws and investigate and review child abuse cases that are held by the Department of Children and Family Services. After all this went down, Terrell's brother and sister were placed with another foster camp, um, foster family. They also, they also ended up passing a law called the Terrell Peterson Act, which gives doctors the authority to take temporary custody of battered children at the hospital without department. So they can take custody of the kids if they see abuse without having to get DCFS involved. So what happened to the rotten ass grandma? I'm about to tell you. Katrina Peterson received a life sentence for Terrell's murder. End of discussion. In December 2002, Terry Lynn, the shitty-ass aunt who probably helped commit the murder, I don't know. They threw away all the case records, more than likely. The victim's aunt was found guilty of murder, and she was also sent to prison for life. Ralph Mitchell, who engaged in the cover-up, who wrote the phony press release, Retired with a state pension. Bullshit. Catherine E. McGiddle, you remember the, the judge who canceled the case because Terrell wasn't in court? Is still a municipal court judge in Atlanta. Hate to see her. Roy Barnes, the governor at the time who signed the Terrell Peterson Act, he ran for governor again in 2010 but he lost. Now, ladies and gentlemen, there's not much more I could say. This is a very shut, closed case. It was some bullshit. It was some foolishness. And honestly, fuckery. The state of Georgia failed to rail. They also failed the other 800 children. 800 who died from quote-unquote illnesses or murder. What's the purpose of having DCFS if they're not going to do their job? Also, I would like to add in, Terrell was buried. His lawyers had to end up paying for his headstone. Nobody attended his funeral but the lawyer's. No family came. It was just, it kind of just seems like after everything went down, his mother, she just gave up. Couldn't find a lot of information about what happened to his brother and sister. And to be honest, it's not really my business. I hope that his brother and sisters honestly found peace because how traumatic is it to know that you saw your baby brother get killed in front of you? Not something I think I would wish on my worst enemy. Now, 
I would like to let you all know that you can follow my podcast on all streaming platforms. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, just to name a few. And this is your weird and mysterious token black girl. And I wish you a good day.